listening to episode 18, chapter 5 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris Lambert. And I'm Josh Havens. We're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He will help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Today, we're continuing our conversation with Dr. Leo Sanchez. Leo Sanchez is the Werner R. H. and Elizabeth R. Krauss Professor of Hispanic Ministries at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis. A faculty member since 2004, he is Professor of Systematic Theology and Director of the Seminary's Center for Hispanic Studies. He received his Doctorate of Philosophy from Concordia Seminary and his Master of Divinity from Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He holds a bachelor's degree from Concordia University, Wisconsin in Mequon. Leo teaches regularly in the United States and abroad, and he has delivered courses and workshops in Brazil, Cuba, India, Ghana, Chile, Panama, Argentina, and Venezuela. He has participated in various colloquies on pedagogy through the Wabash Center for Teaching and Learning in Theology and Religion. In his community, Leo is principal double bass player with the St. Louis Civic Orchestra. He also enjoys swimming and international cooking. He and his wife, Tracy Lynn, have two children, Lucas Antonio and Anna Victoria. You probably don't think of sleep and rest as a spiritual discipline. But when you look at the life of Christ as a model for the way you live today, you have to take into account the times he got away from the crowds, rested, and slept. He even took a nap on a boat ride one night in the middle of a storm. Rest like this is a way of learning to trust God. It means giving up your control over your time and letting go of the never-ending list of things to do. In this final chapter of our conversation with Leo, he explores the devotional model of sanctification and how valuable it is for us to rest and celebrate as we become more like Jesus. So last one, the devotional model. I really see this, you can correct it if it's wrong, but I really see this, you know, we've been building, we've been building on each one of these models, and then I, th- I feel like the devotional model comes in and it sort of encompasses them all in, in a way, sort of like the renewal model does, and that it, I feel like it has to be the beginning, but the devotional model then sort of says, like, this is the rhythm, this is the movement of our entire life, and so we begin to, everything that we work and, and rest in, and uh, so explain to us a little bit what the devotional model is all about. Yeah, so the devotional model is about um, living according to the rhythm of life into which God has placed us as his creatures. And that rhythm of life includes both movement and repose. It includes labor It includes rest. And we have this already in the Garden of Eden, even before the fall. You know, we have the creation of the day, you know, and there was evening and there was morning. And so, and this is before we were even created. (laughs) This is before Adam and Eve even come into play. In other words, we have no say on this, you know. Uh, This is simply the rhythm that God has established for human life and for all of life, for all of life. Uh, but also for human life. And then you see the same thing, you know, in that um, uh, Adam is placed in the garden, right? Uh, And so to to be a steward, 
uh, of creation and so on. And at the same time, you know, God rests on the seventh day. And so there is a moment also to stand still and rejoice in all that is good which God has made. And then in the life of Israel, you see that pattern of the sabbatical cycles, right? And they were both to recognize uh, God's gift of creation and to recognize God's deliverance of his people from bondage to Egypt. So it was also to rejoin his salvation. And the idea was that, you know, life is about labor in God's earth and being stewards of God's earth, but also it's about taking the time to stand still and rejoice in all of his gifts and that's more the spiritual sense of the Sabbath, you know, of, of uh, prayer and praise um, and, and even play. And also, as we know, literal rest. And so what I wanted to, to show was that in Jesus's own life, we see this pattern at work. Because, again, you know, Jesus lives humanly according to what it means to be truly um, uh, 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 you know, in God's creation, which means, you know, that he lives a life of uh, prayer. He lives a life of work. He's certainly very busy. <laughs> uh, but I find it uh, compelling, for instance, that even though he's busy and the crowds want him to do stuff for him, all of a sudden he'll take time to go to the mountain and pray. And it's like, really? Jesus... Shouldn't you be busy? Like, shouldn't you be helping people all the time? But no, you know, he's praying on the mountain or he falls asleep on the boat, you know. Uh, wake up, wake up, you know. Uh, so I think in some ways, um, this life, this is also a life in the spirit, you know. Uh, the spirit hovers over the waters. He brings about this design. Jesus lives fully according to this design. And we're invited by the same spirit to be shaped after Christ's own life. And I think in a society that struggles so much with uh, burnout, uh, both church leaders and laity, it's important to be reminded of the need for Sabbath. And that that is part of what it means to grow spiritually, too. Um, uh, I mean, I, I, uh, uh, since I've been talking about Luther a number of times, and part of the reason I bring Luther, uh, Martin Luther in the book is because we, I was writing this close to the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but there's a, 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 a time when he talks about how um, um, just going to bed, just literally sleeping, is the greatest act of worship, is it? And one might, might be offended at that. What do you mean the greatest act, act of worship? The greatest act of worship is for me to get busy doing the Lord's business. That's the greatest act. And he says, no, it's just to actually go to bed. Because when you sleep, um, you're actually uh, um, embodying an act of faith and trust that God has the whole wide world in his hands and that, uh, you know, uh, God will take care of things, you know, that the world does not depend on you to run. And that is the greatest act of worship sometimes, just to, you know, rest literally uh, in the Lord, you know. So I tried telling my boss that one time. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. And uh, I can speak for Josh and, uh, on this one as well. We have been very challenged of this of late is to take this one seriously because it's 
you're right. We want to just push that. Oh, I'll rest later. I'll rest later. It's not that important. And so bringing this model of rest and understanding that that's the rhythm that God has created into our lives as an act of the spirit just totally reframes things. We become like Christ even when we lay our heads down to rest and, or, or, or to, to withdraw from the crowds and to be alone with our Father the way that he did. Yeah, I will say we also confuse leisure with rest that's true. a lot. Uh, we think yeah. that if we're out doing something fun or ha- at a party with family and friends that that's rest because we're not working, but really mm-hmm. that's not the kind of rest all the time that we need. Yeah. Sometimes we do need to be a little more like Jesus and go off by ourselves and be alone for a while. <laughs> Yeah, so in this model, you know, what I encourage people to do is to find their mountain. Uh, what, what's your mountain? And, and I also ask people to remember, um, you know, remember that it's not always about, life is not always about attending to the crowds. You know, so what are the crowds in your life? The crowds could be, they come to us in the form of cell phone, uh, texts, Right, they come to us in the form of Facebook and, and and so on and so forth. Right, so find yourself your mountain. What does that look like for you? <laughs> you know, and there is a certain growth that goes into that pattern of life. Uh, one has to be aware, you know, of um, of those things that sort of get in the way of sabbatical. What is that? You know, yeah. Um, well, Leo, thank you so much um, for covering these five models. You have an eighth chapter where you talk about, you try to put all these five models into a story that you would really like to see the North American church uh, get. So a, a big ask for you, but like, if you could summarize it relatively quickly, you could take your time, <laughs> but I want to be sensitive to your time, is yeah, what yeah. message do you hope to impart to the North American church? Like, what do you want your readers to come away from this book with? Well, I think there is kind of a, um, there are two aspects to this. One is the book was written really for the church so that they might discern the spirit in their lives, so that they might discern what their spiritual needs are. Each of these models of the Christian life deal with particular needs, right? So the sacrificial model, the need for meaning and purpose, and how do I serve my neighbor, you know. Um, uh, The last one we talked about, the... uh, uh, the uh, uh, devotional model, the need for rest in a busy world, this kind of stuff. So one is discernment in the in the church, so that we might grow spiritually, you know. And I wrote it for that reason primarily. But then I also said, you know, when you look at the research on spirituality in North America, um, there are there, there is a lot of spiritual hunger. People describe what their spiritual needs are, and sometimes they involve things like the need for rest in a busy world, the need for meaning, purpose, and life. So what I'm saying is this. What if we were to embody these models in such a way that it invites people with spiritual questions out there, people with spiritual hunger, into conversations about the spiritual life? You know, so so I wanted it to be sort of... Uh, uh, a way that sanctification could also missionally engage neighbors seeking for a spiritual life to see if that embodiment might bring us into dialogue with them and perhaps in, even into inviting them to share in this kind of life. So it's, it's 
kind of a concern for missions, but from the side, you know, not so much in terms of proclamation, but more in terms of kind of in, in the early church where people looked at Christians and said things like, look at how they love each other, right? Maybe there is something there and we want to learn more. That's great. I love it. And it really is a way of taking the life of Jesus seriously, and it gives so much hope that the way that he lived can actually be lived through us, through the power of the Spirit. Yeah. So uh, I really appreciate your work. I thank you for this. I think everybody needs to go and check out this book. It, it, you deal with some incredible material, but it is very accessible. So uh, where can people go to find out more about you, your work, and, and to get a copy of the book? Yeah, so um, uh, you can always find uh, things that I have written uh, at concordiatheology.org, concordiatheology.org. And so over the years, I have written uh, several theological pieces, and you'll find videos and so on. Uh, this is the, uh, the blog uh, the website of the faculty of Concordia Seminary in San Luis, where I work. So you'll find a few things there uh, from me if you look, uh, search for the name. Uh, and then the book and other things that I have written, you can find uh, in Amazon. Uh, there you probably have to look under the, the fuller name, uh, Leopoldo Sanchez. And you'll find a number of things I have written there, uh, both on the spirit and also on issues related to immigrant neighbors, which is another area that I write uh, in. So that's where you can find a little bit about Leo Sanchez. Sounds good. And uh, as always, we will have links to everything in the show notes. So uh, if you can't remember what the URL is, you can just click on the link in the show notes and I'll take you right to it. So uh, Leo, again, thank you so much for your time and for being with us today. This has been so helpful and uh, we really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, may the Holy Spirit continue to sculpt our lives so that we might reflect the life of Jesus, both in our churches, but also out in the world. I'm challenged by each of the five models of sanctification that Leo has shared with us this week. They each have their own unique way of approaching the life we are to live in the Spirit. And they each challenge me personally in different ways. But what I'm left thinking after this conversation is that the mark of a disciple's life should be one that looks like the life of Jesus. When people look at us, they shouldn't just see a mom or a dad, a businessman or a plumber. They should see a disciple of Christ who walks in joy because they are forgiven whose life is part of something greater than the mundane of the day, who serves their neighbor, who loves and cares for the marginalized, and who have devoted their lives to the pursuit of Christ in everything they do. And when people see disciples like these, they will ask, how do you do it? And we will tell them about the one whom we follow and the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, empowering us, to live just as Christ did. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Leo Sanchez and his work, check out concordiatheology.org. 
then be sure to pick up a copy of Leo's book, The Sculptor Spirit. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.